from two separate rooms, two streets apart in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, presenting episode 150 of the Show Show podcast. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Spoiler alert. Here is this week's Show Show with Sweets and Slaney. Halfway to 300, a third of the way to 450. That's the really the biggest milestone. I've That's heard of the way to 450. When we started this, we said we got to get to 450. That's what people are talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Well, how's it going, stranger? I feel like I'm seeing you often enough that it it certainly doesn't feel like it's been two and a half weeks since I last saw you, but it is technically. I know time's kind of flying by, isn't it? It is going real fast. Yeah. I think there's just like so much grabbing your attention every day that it's it's the day ends and you're like, all right, let's do the same thing over again tomorrow. But it does not seem like just, it seems like more time has gone by than, than, or wait, no, it seems like less time has gone by than actually has gone by. Yes, but we're being inundated with so much information day to day. We normally get this much information in like a month. And that's in a world where the news cycle is faster than it's ever been. Like everything is just ramped up. Everything's on steroids. Everything's on steroids right now. It's weird because we're starting to get um, some like some deaths of people that we know now. I know. And I'm wondering how long that's going to continue for. Oh, I mean, I imagine I imagine we're not far away from like a huge famous per- person dying from coronavirus. Because like right now, there are three like in the entertainment business that we're circling today. One is Mark Bloom from Desperately Seeking Susan. He also appeared in The Sopranos, The West Wing, NYPD Blue, Succession, and Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> so he was yeah. around, character actor. He was 69. He died from coronavirus-related complications. Uh, a, sh- a Top Chef Masters winner named uh, Floyd Cardoz, he, uh, yeah. he passed away. He was 59. Are you familiar with this guy? Not at all. Did you watch Top Chef? Okay. No. No, neither did I. And then there's a crew member, a costumer from Law & Order, a guy named Josh Walwork. He died, and he was only 45 years old. Uh, yeah, it's it's rough. The, the uh, CEO of uh, NBC Universal has coronavirus, I guess. Prince Charles has coronavirus. Yeah, that's a big... Uh, that's probably the biggest person. And did you see the video going around of him, like, try, like he was basically getting out of a limo, and then he was going up to dignitaries i guess and like kept wanting to shake hands and oh then good lord stop and give like a little bow that video was making the rounds last week but that was before he even had coronavirus right well some of these people are just and i don't know how shut off he is from like regular culture or, or the news but especially someone as old as he and in the world in which he's been just completely indoctrinated for his entire 70 some years it'd be really hard to break those old habits and i think the same can be said for you and I, like I told you the story last week about the stranger who like ran right up to me to ask for directions. Yeah. And then today I had the opposite experience. I was in the grocery store because you have to go to the grocery store. And by the way, I maintain that this lady was kind of overreacting. There was a good 12 or 13 feet between us. And I was just like carefully pushing my <laughs> cart along looking for rice wine vinegar. And she put up both her hands and she's just kind of like laughed like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I wanted to be like, you oh don't get your God. you don't get your own aisle, lady. Yeah, but, that's but the, not the way this works. We're, no, we're we all still have to walk by each other. That's right. We have to like be respectful of each other's space, but like you don't get to take up all the cereal. Anyway, no. um in her defense, it's just there's nothing natural about this. And so you still have a reflex. I mean, thank God I'm not meeting anybody new just because of the way the world is going right now. Because if I was, I can't say for sure it wouldn't be a reflex to be like, hey, let me shake your hand. 
Yeah. You know what's crazy is um, people are talking all about, yeah, you should, you can do free online orders and stuff right now. You have to order like a week out, I think, in order to actually oh. get – like it's totally booked up, totally filled. You can't find a spot. So have you uh, – tell me about all the times you've left the house since you started your self-isolation. <laughs> I've left the – I've left without um, any specific place to go a number of times. Sure. So like for a walk, for a run, um, that's pretty much been it. That's good. We so is, is Jen doing like the necessary grocery shopping? She's a, kind of our designated grocery person. Well, she's always been our designated grocery person. Um, but I, I read a thing about people with type 1 diabetes where this doctor was basically like, yeah, like you should stay in. Like, yeah. Complications can be significant. So I'm like, I'm pretty much just in here, not going to, you know, I'm not like seeing friends or anything really. I was going for walks with Colin and Kath last week. And even that kind of came to a stop because yeah. that it was like a more intense, like don't go for walks to socialize. So yeah, we're we're more like on the FaceTime tip now and keeping up with each other that way. I know. But, I went for a walk a couple of days ago and I saw this like gaggle of geriatrics out for a walk together. And like th this is your social distancing. There's like seven or eight old people taking up the whole yeah. sidewalk and like basically rubbing hips together. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's it's going to be weird for a little bit. I think so, although my, my counter to that is that it's starting to feel like the abnormal is normal, which I'm a little concerned about because I don't want us to get too comfortable with this, but this week has felt less scary than last week, which is fucking crazy because now there's 75 people in our province with coronavirus as opposed to the four there was a week ago. Yeah, although there was, so there was like 17 new ones yesterday, there's five today. Yeah. And they're starting um, which, to not be all travel related, right? Because the, the ones who like people came back and now the people that they've been around are starting to show symptoms. That's kind of what they say. Have you seen any of the uh, press conferences? I'm sure you have. Sure. Yeah. Becky's stayed more on top of it than I have. But I, of course, watched like I've watched Trudeau as much as possible. I feel like in our province, they're really trying to be like, there's no community spread yet. Like. It's not happened yet. It's all travel related, but they're like kind of only testing people who have been in contact with people that are travel related. Yeah. On the one hand, I think it's an important message to be like, look, social distancing works. Keep doing it. On the other hand, yeah. they only just put the travel ban in effect like on Sunday or whatever. So where this thing incubates for 10 to 14 days, people who who get it because they came in contact with travelers weren't going to show symptoms yet anyway. Like it's, it's going to be explosive in another week's time. Have you heard any stories of the snowbirds that are like, well, I'm not sick though. Like I can go outside and people are like, no, no, oh. this is what they're telling you. You're not supposed to go out. That's so dumb. It's so, it, yeah, it's supposed to be preemptive. I know it's, it, you kind of wonder, and, and I know what you mean. I feel more relaxed this week than I did last week. Right. Like I was kind of having like pits in my stomach last week, but now I'm like, yeah, no, that's just what we got to do. Well, and that's good because you should be able to feel comfortable at home. And I'm glad that your social distancing is bringing you comfort. It should. Um, but I also don't want us to get 
too comfy with this weird situation we're in. This is not normal. Well, and south of the border, I mean, who's to say what's going to go on down there? Because we got Mr. Trump saying, yeah, I want everything to be opened back up by like Easter. <laughs> and I wonder if he has the power to do that or if he's just talking. Because like certainly there are people who will just agree with whatever he says or if and and there are lots of people who will who will stop at nothing to see their economy uh, rally. But I have to think, and I know nothing about nothing, but I have to think that opening all the businesses again by Easter is not enough to make the Dow shoot back up. You know what I mean? No, it's it's crazy though because over the last couple of days, the stocks have like rebounded. Yeah, but I think there's going to be you know once we get that kind of second wave or and and it's not looking super good in New York like i think there were 13 deaths in New York today yeah so it's there's it's still a bit of a gong show well it's going to be a gong show for a while but i think there was like 12,000 new cases in the states well how alone. how about this your your grandparents would be happy to die for your economy rhetoric right that guy this is like yeah. the this is the pro life party by the way right yeah and uh, and the things about in Texas, they uh, they're they're saying that abortion isn't uh, isn't necessary right now, so they're kind of like putting that on hold. And it, of course, it's in Texas, right? How convenient for them, right? Oh, and the Olympics, we got we talked about uh, that was certainly a foregone conclusion, and sure enough, they are going to bump it to twenty twenty one. Yes, yeah, and and someone made a point that sometimes these these things are just waiting for um like insurance claims like the if you cancel it at a certain point you're you're okay to uh you know reclaim some of the lost costs yeah because japan will probably like i know they'll rally next year but on the other hand they're probably taking a big bath this year because of this right they're probably like they have pro there's probably a huge deficit but you think that insurance will cover some of that yeah, that, that, so I've been led to believe a little bit, like just overall event insurance. I don't know how that works for something as large as the Olympics, but there's something in place to at least help a bit. It's having an impact absolutely everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Have you have you continued watching all the late night stuff? It's it's such an interesting evolution for media in general because. I'm a, I'm, a, I guess a fan of of late night television as a tradition. Although I'm aware of of how staid a lot of it is, and how how um how much how how like desperately it is in need of a total overhaul. But I like a lot of these guys individually as performers. Um, right. And it's so interesting that it took literally a global health crisis for them to revolutionize the late the, like the tired staid late night medium. Um, mm -hmm. and suddenly this guy who you and I have always said is clearly supremely talented, but has also developed quite a reputation for being kind of lazy and kind of vanilla has suddenly like come out again as the most sincere and warm, genuinely entertaining of his ilk. And that's Jimmy Fallon. He is uh, a yeah. couple of the guys are, are, are working hard. Seth is still doing a closer look. And obviously that's a writer's, um, project and so a lot of people come together to create that jimmy kimmel still has like charming facetime conversations with julia louis dreyfus or whatever but nobody is touching jimmy fallon for creating smile worthy content for the youtube channel this week 
Yeah, I, I I'm I'm liking Jimmy Kimmel a lot. I kind of think his is maybe the most polished. Okay. And I think Jimmy. I think Fallon is succeeding in spite of his lack of polish. I think that's always like been that, Jimmy's charm. He's always been boyish. Right, but to the extent that, like, you know, he's letting his kids in on the on the jokes, and you're getting to see Jimmy as like a family man. I'm not sure how long that can last. Sure. Well, but it, it is it is fun. It's a good change up. I don't know what the what the fate is for Fallon's show, but I know Kimmel is back on broadcast TV next week, and so I think they're going to yeah. juice up the production quality of his home show. They're not going back to the studio. They're certainly not doing an audience for a long time. They're going to keep shooting them at home, and I guess with minimal personnel involved. But I think they're going to maybe bring him in a better camera, maybe a lapel mic. I don't know why it's taken all these guys so long to get lapel mics. Like. <laughs> Not around, not, um, not during this crisis. And they're actually going to put Jimmy Kimmel's show on television. I don't know if that means he has to produce a 42-minute show a day in his house, but like that's kind of cool and ambitious. Well, Bill Maher and John Oliver are both releasing their straight-up shows next week. Right, from their, from their self-isolation. Well, I don't know if it's from their self-isolation. I think it might be from their studios. Oh, that's weird. That that requires a lot of people to produce one of those shows. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's if it's going to be like them going in and just hitting record on an iPhone or something, but in the studio and then getting a lot of post afterwards or sending it out, doing it early. I'm not sure, but that is what I've heard so far. It's a huge liability because uh, Big Brother Canada and Big Brother's gotten a lot of attention for. Um, they're shooting episodes, which is always like a real time production. Maybe you saw last week, uh, Big Brother Germany and Big Brother, maybe Sweden. There was another one, like I some think other it was like Brazil, Brazil yeah. maybe. Uh, they actually like you could watch the reaction video of this tribe of people learning about the global pandemic. And I put myself in their shoes, and I just have to think, especially since none of them are famously like, you know, the the brightest bulbs on the Christmas tree. Or maybe that's just my my own judgment. Um, I'm kind of surprised that nobody is calling bullshit on it. Like it's it seems it's kind of it's so out there and it's so unprecedented. You'd think if you're a Big Brother contestant, you'd be like, well, this is just part of the game. And I wonder if they're editing that out or if they left it in because yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, how is no one like this is exactly what Big Brother would do to yeah. kind of freak us out, isn't it? Like. You, those conversations had to have happened creating a hyper reality or maybe the host is saying like at the beginning like i know this seems like something we would do i like i know like you might suspect we're fucking with you we're really not like it's yeah maybe maybe the host like before commercial break is like listen guys what i'm about to tell you is actually true like this isn't a rating thing. maybe there's like a big brother safe word that they established at the beginning of the season where it's like if i say watermelon all yeah. bets are off. Right. Anyway, I was going to say there's Julie Chen. There's a um there's a liability because Big Brother Canada is shooting right now and they're in trouble because their crew is walking off work. Like they're not able to get her to work and the crew is like there's like 80 people who produce this show. I'm out. Well, didn't they just pull it all together? Not based on what I read today, so maybe there's a oh, okay. maybe there's new information. They should pull it. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should too. There's, it, it's fine for the people that are in the house, but there's a lot of other people outside that are, totally. you know, unless they can work remotely, maybe they can. 
Yeah, maybe. Anyway, it's amazing what we're discovering, what we're capable of, like technologically speaking. Like uh, you and I were on a, a a Zoom conference call yesterday with like 30 people. And apparently- I just gotta unplug this, Jack. Uh, Microsoft Teams is capable of having like 250 people on one call at the same time. Like, can you imagine going through this quarantine situation uh, without the ability to like talk face to face with your colleagues without being in the same place? Like you and I could do a podcast over the phone. I think we've done it before, but like right now we're face to face. And other than like a little tonal uh, uh, dissonance, for the most part, everything is status quo. And it's cool that we're living in that age. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Colin sings the praises of iPhones. Aren't iPhones great? Oh, I just dropped my iPhone. I don't know if you could hear that. They were great. Yeah. No, I was just making my way upstairs. Sorry. So I wanted to talk about... um, I I don't always want to talk about coronavirus, although it seems like it's always going to have some kind of impact on a lot of the discussions we're having. Um, I mean, they do call you the coronavirus kid for a reason. They have always called me that, and finally it means something. Not, not, <laughs> no one knew no one knew what it was before but not something i'm sense. i'm i'm proud of but uh yeah uh we've kind of talked loosely and a lot of people have about whether or not uh the long-term impact of of this situation uh and how it affects the entertainment industry will have any kind of uh impact on award season which helpfully we just finished like a month ago and so i'd like to think that things will be kind of chugging along more smoothly this time next year but they have officially made the first major awards season adjustment based on this coronavirus pandemic although i'm having a little bit of difficulty making heads or tails of it so um it has to do with eligibility and qualifying for the golden globes so there's there's pre-existing uh standards some kind of criteria for whether or not you're eligible to win golden globes as a feature film and in order to do so historically you have to be willing to uh invite hollywood foreign press members association members to a screening of your event some kind of third-party screening that's not golden globes related i don't know why that is i don't know what that would relate to i think basically hfpa members have to be able to go to the theater to see your thing I think that's what it means, and that's no longer true because of coronavirus. I think maybe it's a temporary amendment to the qualification process for the Globes, but at least for 2021 to win a Globe, your movie doesn't have to have been in theaters in, say, Hollywood. Okay. I feel like that might be a change that just sticks. Well, especially since the big movie last year was an international film. Right. And an indie film? But that must have Maybe been, not. That, that must have been in Hollywood as well. Oh, it definitely was. I, I don't know if it was right. an independent movie originally. Like, it was It was still um, an underdog. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what, what the um, ramifications are going to be for award season in general. Like, in all seriousness, it, it's not so much about can we get together at the Kodak Theater to celebrate the year in movies, it's what was the year in movies behind us? Like, it, there are so many things that are getting bumped or reslated. Right. And can they do an entire Golden Globe ceremony by Zoom conference call? I don't know. <laughs> well, Microsoft Teams can have 250 people. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's enough for all the presenters and, and peeps. 
in terms of movies, because we might as well like keep a tally of this as the weeks go by. Movies uh, announced this week, that is big budget movies that have been bumped and reslated. Uh, In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical. Uh, right. That's been rescheduled for later. Wonder Woman 1984. Um, and Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic with Jennifer Hudson. That's been bumped back. Um, also... Uh, production officially shut down for an undetermined amount of time on Matt Reeves, the Batman. And I only bring that up because like, that's a movie I constantly talk about anytime there's new information about it and it makes sense. But, and I like to think they'll keep going with it eventually, but it's so weird that movies are in limbo. Like now, uh, Tom Hanks, who, who's making a movie about Elvis, you know, with Baz Luhrmann, um, or, or Robert Pattinson, who's literally Batman right now. Like, don't go too far because we're going to need you back at work soon. Like, don't lose your exact physique, Robert, because we're going to need you back soon. It's this really yeah. awkward middle ground that could go on for a really long time. Don't go and gain the quarantine 15, my man. That's right. Got to be got to be careful for that one. I haven't heard that expression. Um, how is how is your um your your consuming changed by being in the house a lot? Are you eating more or less? Well. We are oh uh, as far as eating no I'm I'm relatively disciplined on that. You have uh, a special circumstance. Yeah, and and that's the only reason why. Otherwise, I'd be like vacuuming up food. I'm for sure eating um, less. As far as consumption of media, I'm probably consuming more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we just finished season four of uh, Parks and Rec. Good. It's really good. It's so solid. What's and I'm happening? I'm so happy that we still have. Well, uh, Leslie just defeated Bobby Newport. How good is the Paul Rudd as Bobby Newport arc? So good. He is so, so good. And, he's the villain, and yet he's so likable. And so is Catherine Hahn. I honestly like. I I've always been a Catherine Hahn stan, and uh, her her role as Jen Barkley. That that's one of my all time favorite like feature roles in a sitcom. She is spectacular in that show. She's so good. She doesn't really care about it, but is still pulling out all the stops. But it's like, it's such a like, it's such a uh, uh, house of cards comedy going on there. Absolutely. They're trying to make these political moves, but it's all kind of a farce. I'm so jealous of you getting to see some of these episodes for the first time or even the second time in a decade. Well, I know that I've seen some of the episodes because like, like they got a three-legged dog and i'm like oh that's champion yeah like, champion yeah and and there are certain things that i remember and and i like i remember that leslie wasn't born in pawnee and that was the whole arc of an episode right um but i don't remember watching the entire season and it's it's such a good show for um for for world building, like I, I find they've done yeah. such a spectacular job of like creating this little community where if you see somebody, you're more than likely going to see them again, like down the road, because like that's who uh, works at the supermarket in Pawnee or like that's the the morning radio show is Crazy Ira and the Douche. So they have this amazing B, uh, right. this this Rolodex of, of supporting characters who come in and just glow up this already great show. Right. And the librarians and, and like everyone, all the outsiders just think Pawnee is such shit. And yeah. all the insiders for the most part are like, besides the, the immediate cast, all the like, townspeople are too dumb to realize anything. Well, that's what I love about the, anytime they have like a public forum, 
I, I actually think yeah. that that's like a really, really good microcosm for what it's like to ask the public's opinion. And you and I get this a little bit because we deal with like media comment sections and we, we, we deal with like a large swath of people, some of whom are terrific, some of whom are naive and entitled. And so the, the unreasonable quality of some of these people really hits home for me when I watch Parks and Rec. Right. I think, I think really what it is is 10% of people super care 10% of people don't care at all. And the 80% in the middle are like the, the people that are like pretty even keel, but sure. don't bother to go out on a limb one way or another. Um, my, I, the moment that Jen turned because Jen, Jen was like, I don't like parks and rec. Like I'm not going to be able to get into it. But the moment that she turned was season one where they had a public forum and a lady says, all food is bad for you. I've been eating hot dogs and lasagna for 30 years and I feel terrible. <laughs> and then from that moment on, she was entertained by the show. I love, and now she loves it. There's a lady who comes in to make a complaint like to the parks office and Ron is trying to avoid her. And she says something to the effect of there's a hose or there's a fountain in your park and there's a sign that says, don't drink the water. So I made some tea with it and now I have a stomach ache. <laughs> and that was her complaint. <laughs> <laughs> and she's saying you can't drink the water and she yeah. keeps like chasing him. this is when he has the swivel desk the circular desk like, turning <laughs> turning his chair i think they make yeah. Pawnee look like a beautiful little town like like so much cleaner than than certainly big cities cleaner than small towns like it's just so uh it's very idyllic it's utopic you want to be there yeah right it's true a, a lot of larry bird shout outs too and even the uh the picture that that uh, stays behind Leslie's desk that just says, take your shot. And it, he signs it Larry B. <laughs> well, and, and did you see the episode where they have to come up? You did. Cause it's a Brandanowitz episode. The one where they have to come up with like a new uh, like poster for Pawnee or whatever. And they all submit one and they're all terrible. And Donna's yeah. is just the last supper, but replaced with people from Indiana. And so she's like, right. there's, there's Greg Kinnear and there's David Letterman. <laughs> right. <laughs> And she starts guessing at people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a, enough friends, so I just uh, photoshopped my friend uh, Jesse's face on this one. <laughs> Ron Swanson um, is in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I like anyways, a sitcom, I like a sitcom that like creates a language. Like you, Once you watch it enough, like you're almost... You, you can watch it surface level and laugh at some of the more broad jokes, but like you also get it on a deeper level if you understand the inside humor of the show. Like for better or worse, right. How I Met Your Mother did an amazing job of creating a vernacular with its audience. Um, yeah. There was like a second tier language to that show that if you watched it enough, you would be fluent in. And that's a really great way to to create loyalty. And I think rewatchability for your show. Right, because people want to live in that world. They want to. They want to go see their friends again. Exactly. So, yeah. actually, speaking of of how I met your mother, this is really interesting. Disney Plus put out a survey. They own a bunch of content uh, that's not technically like under the the Disney umbrella. A good example is Modern right. Family, which which has aired for twelve years on ABC. So it's it's technically theirs. They have access to it. And so basically, they're they ran a survey to try and figure out if people want to see some less family-oriented, ironically, Modern Family falls into this bracket, content for Disney Plus, their distinctly PG family-oriented streaming service. So um, some of the samples included Modern Family, uh, Buffy, Blackish, Firefly, Malcolm in the Middle, 
in How I Met Your Mother. And that's very interesting. It is especially weird considering they won't let Lizzie McGuire say ass, but they are considering putting Barney Stinson on Disney+. Plus. I don't understand at all. Right. But even so, like... As, as racy as certain moments of How I Met Your Mother were, it was overall a pretty wholesome show, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would say it's a show that believes in love, but the, uh, the wholesomeness kind of ends there. I, I think, no, I, I think if you went back and watched How I Met Your Mother, you'd be, in fact, maybe appalled at some of the stuff they do in that show. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like, they don't just appalled. like, they, they don't just like allude, there's not just innuendos. Like, there are like three ways and strippers and all kinds of stuff in how i met your mother that you wouldn't consider to be disney conducive right yeah right yeah once you once you enter into three-way territory that's uh that's not necessarily disney adjacent i mean in my experience (laughs) um movies coming early to video on demand this week available for digital rental although for the pretty steep cost of 1999 call of the wild the harrison ford uh dog movie uh right. onward which is the new pixar movie which is yeah, easily that... the lowest uh box office score of a pixar movie in history granted it had the cards stacked against it uh, that that came up as 25 dollars for rental on through bell i'm sorry like I understand you got you got costs to recoup, and you intend to charge six bucks when it's like released in a more conventional way. But you're just you're gonna they're gonna find right now that no one will pay that. You're just what you've done is created a really high quality digital copy of it that's super easy to pirate. Like, yeah, the whole the whole we've talked before about how um, Apple Music and Spotify figured it out. You just have to make it easier to get it in a legitimate way than in an illegitimate way. And this is not doing that. Charging me $20, $25 to see a movie that I can wait four months and see for six bucks or or wait until it's on Disney Plus for that matter. You're you're totally. you are bananas. Yeah, give me the new Bond movie. I'll pay twenty five bucks to to watch that at home. Sure. Well, except for that, that kind of goes against what I just said. Like part I, I I can't wait to see the new Bond movie, but I don't think I will pay twenty five dollars to see it at home. I want to see that in really? theaters. If I'm gonna Even pay t- in the comfort of your if I'm gonna home. if I'm gonna see if I'm gonna pay twenty five dollars to see Bond, I wanna see it on a huge screen with kick ass speakers. I want there to be uh concessions at the ready, which I guess I'll pay more for, but I want an experience. And I'll watch it again when it's at home and maybe I'll pay six bucks to rent it then. And certainly if it's not gonna come in theaters at all, I'll pay nine ninety nine, maybe fourteen ninety nine, but I'm not paying twenty five bucks to see to see No Time to Die for the first time in my house. Can I make a suggestion? Uh, yes. Big new TV, buddy. You think I needed a bigger TV? A big newer TV. Yeah, that'll make <laughs> you want to rent it at home. I have like a sixty inch TV, and my couch yeah, is like three feet from it. Seventy five. You gotta go seventy five. You're right. What was what was I thinking? With that <laughs> tiny postage stamp I've got hung on my wall. Yeah, disgraceful. <laughs> the other ones uh, are uh, Bad Boys is coming out. You never saw Bad Boys. No, we'll rent that for sure. Is it out yet? Bad Boys and Sonic the Hedgehog come out next week. Not this Friday, but next. Okay. And uh, on, uh, The Way Back is is out this week. You didn't see The Way Back either. I did, and it's very good uh, mm-hmm. acting anyway. Like as a, as a singular character study, Ben Affleck, you're 
on his side and it, it's very conventionally just like a sports movie like underdog story um he's very good in it it's pretty sad and it pulls no punches but it's a good movie we rented at astro last week that was our first movie rental and that's not a movie rental that's you know that's not something that was it had a full run at the theater but then it just came up on tv but i was happy with it it was a you know it was a 4k watch we were enjoying ourselves on a friday night did Canada. you like the movie because it kind of got buried in once upon a time um lore and in general i heard that it was kind of sloppy i was kind of you know, first, first drafty you know what's funny it um it very it, it had it was one of those movies that had a 75 percent critic score and a 25 percent audience score okay on ron tomatoes that's so, weird yeah it's like like the critics really liked it they thought i think it was uh like kind of um deeper and meta and they liked reading into it and the classic fans just watching at home were like this is so fucking dumb and it's like it's it's really just a story about a guy with daddy issues right that's a lot of it yeah yeah actually no that's that's 100 percent of it who finds himself like spoiler alert finds himself kind of like falling into the same uh, the trappings that is the, yeah. yeah on yeah. his way to like try to save his dad look this is a pro pit podcast but i'm not gonna totally. race out to see that movie you know it was funny too i read something it was on reddit um how at one point a tear drops from brad pitt's eye in zero gravity and brad pitt apparently said to the director like dude we need to make this like float off my face because this is zero gravity and the director just went the acting's too fucking good, man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so they didn't change it. Well, it's, a, it's a, there's a famous uh, Star Wars story in 1977. Uh, they're, they're shooting the first Star Wars movie. And uh, Mark Hamill tells it like Harrison Ford was already this like grouchy old man. And in reality, he was like 35 when they made the first Star Wars movie or whatever. But he was, he was always much older than Mark Hamill. And so Mark Hamill, who was, I think, kind of a science-y nerd himself and, and was certainly setting out to be like a serious actor didn't understand a lot of the idiosyncrasies of of George Lucas as an artist and just the weirdness of this movie in general. Like, everybody around town was like, oh, that Lucas movie? That's going to fail. That's a disaster waiting to happen. Like, very easily, the first Star Wars movie could have been The Room by Tommy Wiseau. It was kind of looking to be that. And so, at one point, they're shooting a scene when something doesn't make physiological sense or whatever. Some, something in the script or in the film to Mark Hamill is is preposterous or, or um, uh, I, I just the continuity doesn't work for him. And so right. I guess he complains about it between between takes to Harrison Ford and Harrison Ford famously said to him, kid, it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just basically like, look, you got to know when to say when. And I think maybe this is one of those situations in Ad Astra where it's like, stop taking this so seriously. We want to see you get emotional. Right. Well, I mean, there's, there are there are space monkeys at one point. I'll say oh, that. Oh, okay. So oh, how, it's a space how, monkey movie. It's a space monkey movie. Like I see. You, you literally, and there's space pirates. Like if you're going to see a movie with space monkeys and space pirates, you can't start nitpicking stuff. Speaking of space pirates, I saw a really interesting article the other day about how uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie was successful because it's just Star Wars. It, they just they were like okay yeah. let's let star wars already exists let's just make it as if the ships were real ships and I, and then i thought about it and i was like holy fuck 
the first like curse of the black pearl is just star wars and and like maybe they have some like creative nuance that they they kind of ran with it took some liberties but like it to- like archetypically follows so many of the same beats and also you have to account for the fact that uh jack sparrow is a wholly original character but like in general yeah. it works because we've already seen this before with like this is the essential archetypical ensemble adventure tale about like a ragtag group of misfits and the bosses are maybe wrong yeah i think if i watched i think um pirates of the caribbean is wholly rewatchable and i have never rewatched it i don't think you've only seen curse of the black pearl once well i i'm sure i've probably seen it a couple times but it would have been when i was in like high school that's wild to me it is entirely rewatchable um yeah yeah the second one's fine third one's real bad uh fourth one nobody else will tell you this but the fourth one actually is better than uh than three maybe two even i didn't see the fifth right which apparently wasn't bad i don't know i can't speak to that i just know the first one is like one of the great movies of our generation it's such a good hang yeah it's a good watch for sure um apparently the most recent episode of dave uh, is largely about him being bipolar, and I guess it's a really good watch. I went down a bit of a rabbit like... hole with him. Uh, I, okay. I watched like all of his like sway in the morning appearances and stuff. Okay, he is a very good rapper. There's no question. Yeah. One thing I find interesting, especially since my first exposure to him is him playing this like unlikely rapper, this like nerdy guy who like really leans to his like his Jewish culture. That's very, very evident in the show. It's very evident in his recent Jimmy Kimmel appearance. Sometimes he's like that. And maybe just promotionally speaking, he's like that. Other times he really plays like he really leans into the, the more rapper persona. And I don't know if he's like doing a character, but like sometimes he like pronounces words differently. Oh, really? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I know what you mean. Yeah. But I, I have not experienced that. But the only other podcast I've heard him on is like with Jake and Amir. Like, do you know Jake and Amir? Sure, yeah. So he's like friends with them and he's very like into his like nerdcore uh, vibe. Tell me something about when, when people do this freestyle stuff on the internet where they're like, hey, give me a beat. And then they just theoretically freestyle for like five minutes. Is that mm-hmm. is that like a beat they've never heard before, but they're mostly just like saying some rhymes they've been working on? Or is it truly off the dome? Because I find that hard to believe. No, largely it's completely written. Like even the freestyle rap battles, they're they're all written. Then they're why is it called like, freestyle? I don't know. I I I truly don't know. I have no answer for that. It's also a lot because you only get if it's gonna be called a freestyle, you only get one shot, right? Like you can't then do not go, miss your chance to blow. Do not miss your chance to blow. Um, you can only do it once. And so like you got to spend a lot of time writing and then memorizing this five minute thing just to do it once on Sway. And I guess that's good YouTube cred. It's good for like building your image. Um, I, there must be something improvisational about it. I, I think those are more likely um, a bit more improvisational, but I still like you know, knowing the attitude around freestyling, I'm sure that Sway says, or they know like, Hey, I'm going on Sway. There's probably going to be a bit of a freestyle happening. They might have to go a little more off the cuff at parts of it to try to include something that was like situational. Well, on that that show in particular, they, they have like a gimmick 
called the I think it's like the five fingers of death or something. And and so basically you you just have to not you can't stop rapping, but they're going to change the flow on you five times. And so gotcha. like I think maybe I think maybe that's the art of it is like you might have your words prepared, but like you're going to have to change your cadence and your like rhythm. Like the beat and the rhythm will yeah. change, yeah. Yeah. Which is still impressive. Totally. I I I I think I've found some of these online before and just kind of like thought they were jams, but not really known any of the uh any of the the uh rules around it you know shia labeouf famously did one that's okay yeah apparently shia labeouf is like the best freestyler in in hollywood have you seen pb falcon yet no i haven't i'm kind of surprised that's not been made available for that matter i'm kind of surprised it's not been easier to find honey boy yet like that was the talk oh, of the dude. town and i it's... i, I want to see that movie it's totally available on Crave. Like, I don't have Crave. Peanut Butter Falcon. Like, I can just click watch anytime, and I I think it's because um, anytime I ask Jen, she's just like, "No, nah, I don't want to watch right now." It's a real good hang. It's like a feel good movie. I think Jen will like it. I have no reservations about it. I'm, you know, I'm like the uh, the father that needs <laughs> to change his diet because of of the the kid who only want to see macaroni and cheese right well in that circumstance i think you're eating everything the kid won't eat yeah well true so but but the difference is the kid would have to leave more often for me to eat the stuff that i wanted to eat i i, I really have i've got some issues with this with this metaphor in which your wife is your kid that's fair. That's totally fair. I, I, as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't know why she has to go. My <laughs> <laughs> but you can't back up now. No, I had to commit and just go for it. So uh, it's um, like having, it's like having a wife that doesn't want to necessarily watch what you want to watch. That's it's exactly it's a, it's a lot like that. It's if I had to yeah. compare it to something, it'd so be like that. Probably the most close <laughs> to that. Speaking of children, uh, Jake Johnson has been sending kids uh, voice memos as Peter Parker from uh, Spider Verse. I think that's really sweet. I have nothing to say about that. I just think it's really nice when, like, when uh, I don't know Chris Evans dresses up like Captain America and goes to the kids' hospital or like something like this. It means yeah. a lot to people. They remember it forever. It's it's just good people. Totally. And did you hear about the Ethan Hawke before movie series? No. There's nothing. There's nothing really to say about it except for that I know that you have. I think you have something of an affinity for these movies, right? No, I've never seen any of them. The Before Midnight, After oh. Midnight, Before Dawn. I've never seen any of them. I really I, thought I, you had. It's kind of on the list to watch, but Maybe, I've never I haven't them. either. And I understand they're like some of the best romance movies ever. I kind of wonder if we should do like a show show movies movies about them because I've always been curious to and I just never like sat myself down to watch them. I bring it up because they, they make one of these movies every nine years and that yeah. that would mean because they made one nine years ago that would mean they're due for one and so somebody asked oh, wow. ethan hawk like what's up you're gonna do more of this and he's like he just kind of hummed and hawed about it and they pointed out that like well we we try and keep it relevant to the era and so like maybe now it's about having a family in the time of corona and so like they kind of like speculated how interesting it would be or just more broadly how interesting it will be when when media can retrospectively look at this as an age because let's let's call it what it is this is like the next world war like we're that we're living through something right now which we will always remember having lived through trump is a wartime president that's not quite what i meant 
<laughs> it's not really what I was getting at. <laughs> I know. But thank you for not listening to anything I said after World War. <laughs> I was just waiting for that. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that would be a really interesting take on those movies. And I, not knowing anything about the movie, I, I don't think there's much, there's no real twist and turns about them. I think it's just a slice of like, 12 hours confined into an hour and a half. Yeah, two people fall in love in the middle of the night and then they go their separate ways, but then they've obviously come back together. Yeah. For like this 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 kind of revisited um series of films which is just kind of a beautiful snapshot of of love and life and it's weird that I haven't haven't um check them out because i love not only ethan hawk i love richard linklater and and by the way right. we've talked we've talked so much about about boyhood and how his next most um elaborate production is a 20-year production of merrily we roll along i don't know how that's being right. impacted by the way by um the time of corona but uh it, it's something to say also that he's playing the long game with the before series it's a long story about the same people it's true he's he's all about legacy building mm. That's all I have for, for pop cultural news. If you want to talk about shows here on the 150th episode of the Show Show Podcast. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, which which one's re- recapping which? Who is the choice today? I think it's your turn. Uh, so one of them, one of them okay. is like a docu-series, so it's going to be kind of hard, but you can try your best or unless you want to do the other one. I'll do, I'll do Plot Against America just for the sake of recapping something with a plot. Okay. Which... Arguably, the other one has too. But um, so, plot against America, um, and I wrote this one out. Is that cheating? No, you can do that. I'm, I'm still going to count you in. Okay, perfect. Okay, you can recap the pilot episode of the plot against America in three, two, one, go. Okay, in New Jersey or New York in the 1940s, the show follows a Jewish family threatened by the prospect of presidential hopeful Charles Lindbergh getting into office as he seems to have very clear sympathy for the Nazis, or at least a lack of interest in American intervention in the war. The family struggles with anti-Semitism from a neighborhood in New York or New Jersey that tends to be German-centric. And the show ends with a family member, the nephew, uh, getting revenge on some of the hoods that he jumped with a friend because he was Jewish. Yeah, that's very good. Very well said. Isn't it interesting how it just, it's so hard not to compare this to the show that we talked about like a month ago, Hunters, which is also about post-war anti-Semitism in New York. But like, in it's yeah. it's also, it's also, it's also a, um, uh, a revised history. What's a revisionist history show? Because it's about yeah. like, if, what if someone else won the election? Whereas that was like, well, what if, what if Nazi hunters were also, superheroes um and obviously oh, is this is a this, yeah this is, is that this like this is Lindbergh wins the election yeah oh no i had no idea yeah yeah that's what's going to happen in the show and so it's oh. it's based on a philip roth book of the same name uh and by the way i didn't know that we were like when the credits started rolling because we just kind of like casually picked this because we needed a second show and i had heard that it was kind of good but then the credits come up and i was like okay it's based on philip roth and it's created by david simon this is a good pedigree for a drama totally um so it's kind of like man in the high castle a bit yes wow yeah and by the way i just want to finish saying that i think that just based on the pilots this is a better show than hunters for sure yeah, definitely. There's no question there. Um, 
then the, the amount of production that went into this too yeah and and seemed relatively tasteful like yeah. i don't think this is going to breach into the exploitative nature of hunters no i don't think so either do you have a relationship with philip roth as a writer no i don't think so so i i i read a book called the humbling a number of years ago which was just like a little novella um which was quite good if very dark I, I think I tried to read another. It wasn't like American Pastoral or Portnoy's Complaint. Like it wasn't like one of the obvious ones. I read another one. Like I read like a hundred pages of it, and it just got to be like too depressing. But he's like written some of like the great American fiction, right? The Human Stain. Um, no, I have no idea. My mother I'm kept a copy sure of Goodbye her. Columbus on her ottoman for like five years, like as if it was being read, and it was never being read. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Um, uh, but he's like, no, well, he's like I, one I of the great commenters it. on like, uh, urban Jewish culture in the latter half of the 20th century. And I think he, I, he might be, he died a couple of years ago. He might, and I, I'd have to Wikipedia this to know for sure. He might have some problematic, uh, attachment. I'm not sure exactly. How so? I don't know. And it's obviously not so much that they're not still adapting his content. Um, but I just, th I just think maybe like it's been widely said that some of his material is a little sexist. I think, I think that might be, and, oh, and don't I quote see. me on that, look into it. But I think maybe there are some imperfections in his legacy now, which is going to happen to anybody. Uh, in general, right. I, I, I know him to be a good writer. Um, do you think that Philip Levin, like the little boy in the show, is he supposed to be the writer? Like, I, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if it's supposed to feel partially autobiographical. I mean, I can definitely see that there's, there probably is some, you know, some uh, uh, biography baked into the show based it, on the fact he was born 1933. So he probably would have been around the same same age. It feels, at least in the first episode, decidedly like Zoe Kazan's show. Uh, what? Oh, oh, you mean is she the she's the lead character? Doesn't she seem to the, be the, the matriarch? Yeah, she's the mom. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, I guess she probably was in the most, uh, she was in the most scenes throughout the show. So, yeah, more so than Winona Ryder. Although Winona Ryder and John Turturro seem like they're going to be together in a lot of the show. So maybe that was just, just a, a, a function of it being the first show. Maybe it's just and, because we've seen Winona Ryder in the unglamour of Joyce Byers for a few years now, but Winona Ryder looked stunning in this show. I don't know if you found the same, but she looked, she could pass for like 38 years old. Yeah, I think she was supposed to be pretty like glamorous. Yeah, maybe. She was like, she even, she looked like posh at all points. Yeah, she's living the high life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting, uh, being a homewrecker. What were your thoughts on when the little kid goes over to the other kid's house and he's like, who's that lady? And he's like, that's my mom. Oh, you call your mom by her first name. And then this other kid is like, come, I'll show you something in my mom's bedroom. And he's like, he shows little Philip his mom's underwear, like as if he yeah. also thinks it's sexy. It's so weird. You know what? I was so in the moment. I, I don't even know if that was supposed to be his actual mom. I think he was lying about that. Oh, maybe. And it's actually like a, a, a stepmom or something. But I was so in the moment that I didn't even think to bring that up in the recap at all. Like <laughs> between that and the fact that the that Winona Ryder was like a homewrecker, I both of those things kind of eclipsed 
or kind of like did not make it into the the recap because I just didn't think it affected the overall story. But it is weird that they threw that in there. Like, what is that? What does that mean for the whole show? I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's going to be some more mystery to uncover about this woman who seems to be kind of um, kind of just kind of withering and like just kind of an out there um, city hopper of a lady. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's clearly yeah. like an interesting person. Maybe we're going to explore more about her. You're right. It was like a very full hour. You couldn't have recapped the whole thing in 30 seconds if you tried. Uh, there's a lot going it, on. Um, it kind of had a vibe of Boardwalk Empire too, where there was like uh, obviously the whole kind of like New York, New Jersey, old school vibe, but it also had a, a like a lot of scenes where you're like, is this gonna ever gonna turn into anything, or is this just gonna be? something that we see well i guess now you know that that it is going to be this like allegorical show about like what could have been well yeah that's huge to know i i had no idea well and and i couldn't help uh but relate it to that um stephen king book and then series that it was adapted to i've talked to you about it so many times 11 63 which is about like well what if we went back and tried to stop the kennedy assassination right and and so like so often it's really interesting. It's really interesting with like contemporary American history to play with the butterfly effect. If we're just dealing with like a short period of time, because it's it like yeah. all, all bets are off. You can kind of make your own rules in that kind of a world. And it's also, mm-hmm. it gets to be really fantastical. Like you can bet right. in a few years, there will be some really interesting uh, thriller novel about like, well, what if Hillary did win the election? Like maybe things still would have been terrible. Speaking of that, what if the Beatles never existed? I did watch yesterday within the last two weeks. Did you not see yesterday before this this situation? No. That's so weird because I remember showing you the trailer and you were psyched about yesterday. I've been interested for a number of weeks. What were your thoughts on, the, on this movie? Because there's a lot to say about this movie. It there just kind of drifted into obscurity. And there will be spoilers and, and stuff that I say because you've seen it and I'm just like anxious to talk to you about it. Um, I liked it. I actually was was more fascinated by the fact that there was no, you know, waking up and the Beatles actually existing. The Beatles just never existed yes. in this world. Although two other people know that the Beatles existed and that is also fascinating. Yes. But no one knows what, not just two. But, I think there's like a few other people out there. Like there's like a, a population, um, like a, a minimal of people who who right. do know. Yeah, I would he's just the one who like capitalized on it. Yeah, um, and Coca Cola doesn't exist, which I thought was funny too. And like Harry Potter, there's just multiple things that don't exist, and they don't explain it. Right. And I I thought that was way better than because how would you ever explain it? Uh, yes. Well, that, and that's, that's what fantasy is. Like, just like suspend disbelief there. I don't have does to tell you everything. To, does it need to have an answer? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had a couple of, I loved the movie for the record. Um, but I had a couple of issues with the mechanism in how it kind of neuters the lore of the Beatles. Like I'm, I respect the Beatles. <laughs> I think the Beatles have a lot of really great songs. That's good. Um, and yeah. I, and I appreciate what they've done for pop culture. But part of that is more than the songs. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not so sure if you... Yesterday's a great song. But, like, I'm not so sure if you'd never heard Yesterday, if I was just like, can I play you a song that I wrote? If I played you Yesterday, I'm not sure you would say anything more than, like, no, oh, that was really sweet. Like, I don't know if you'd be like, 
that's the best song I ever heard. I really don't. And right. I, I think part of it is the of legend. Had those, that reaction to, to any time you played a Beatles song, they'd be like, my mind is blown. Yeah, like, like Ed Sheeran plays that himself. That hadn't existed. Yeah, Ed yeah. Sheeran plays himself and he's like completely gobsmacked the first time he hears The Long Winding Road, which is like a beautiful song. But, uh, and then the other thing is like, he would just like play any old Beatles song haphazardly. Whereas like the Beatles started with Twist and Shout and I Want to Hold Your Hand and then like, then Help and, and like, they like a lot of really goofy little silly pop songs, which were like One Direction songs in the 60s. Like they were good songs, right. but they were not masterpieces until later. And granted, they had a pretty full evolution as, as, uh, master workers of artistry in like five years because it's easy to forget the Beatles existed for a very confined amount of time but like yeah it mattered to their legend in real time too I think that like they built to Sergeant Pepper and then like they ended with the big beards and let it be on the roof like I, I don't I don't think you could just like play any old song and people would be like, oh, every song you do is great. I don't I, I think that it neuters the the greatness of the Beatles to say it's just about the songs and not also who sings them, the relationships they have with each other, John's wry sense of humor to the reporters. Like I, I think I think the legend, the story is a little disserviced, except that's also me overthinking a fantasy movie. But but you're right. The unfortunate thing about that movie is they could have played into that a little bit, and he could have like unknowingly been doing that as he was getting bigger as well. Yes. You know, like kind of like, okay, I you know maybe he's not as good of a musician. So once he's trying to do um, Sergeant Pepper's, he's like, oh my god, I need to figure out how to write and pre and it kind of drives him crazy, like it did with. Paul McCartney and John Lennon. So here's like a little minor movie detail, which actually influences the entire plot. It is in a way a butterfly effect movie because um, it's not just that, by the way, the Beatles and Coca-Cola don't exist. Uh, the Beatles don't exist because Coca-Cola Coca-Cola doesn't exist because John and Paul in their first hangout together drank Coca-Cola in the alley. And so like if there is no uh, Coca-Cola, the Beatles never exist. Okay, well, so how does that factor into like the other things in it? That did you did you put those together? I don't know, but I mean, you could go blue in the face trying to figure out how Ed Sheeran and Coldplay ever got to be pop stars if without the foundation right. of the Beatles there first. And so that was problematic. And so, like, you could you could probably draw a line between the Beatles pop culturally and Harry Potter pop culturally. You probably could, but you could also draw an easier line to Coldplay and Ed Sheeran. And so, the fact that they exist untouched, like that, fix you apparently mm -hmm. exists before Let It Be exists, is just is not likely. Well, as soon as the Rolling Stones still existed, I was like, oh, so the Rolling Stones are just triple the stars that they right. previously bigger were. legends than and, ever and the beatles music shouldn't quite matter as much like right. it should sound a bit like a throwback but more of a novelty than than uh, a world changing music but you can't tell me the rolling stones weren't in real time influenced by the beatles as they were making it even though they like they well that's true too yeah 100 percent. um and then there's, there's a funny gag in the movie where um, because they're so derivative of the Beatles, Oasis also doesn't exist, which is kind of funny. That that was, and he's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what did you think of the scene where 
and this is a big spoiler, where he goes to see John Lennon. Yeah, you were you know that that someone is so he's given this information and then he goes to someone's house and you're like, oh my god, is Paul McCartney going to be in this movie? But in fact, it's John Lennon because John Lennon never died. Man, the, um, the guy they got, like I couldn't believe how much he looked like John Lennon. He was pretty solid. Yeah, he was pretty solid, and it's kind of how you you know the vibe that you would want John Lennon to have if he never fell into music. He's just kind of like an artist for the sake of art, and he is living his life. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing is like the ending. I kind of thought all along, and I know that you have to be very careful if you're going to deal with like, and then he woke up and it was all just a dream. You don't want to do that either. But in the end, um nobody remembers the Beatles. So like he gives it up and he's like, I stole this from, from four great artists, except like he kind of didn't like, he remembers it from a world that, that in his world now never existed. Like in my mind, like he did in that universe did write those songs. So he doesn't have to feel so guilty about it. And then he certainly doesn't have to retire and deprive the world of the Beatles. Yeah. And he's still like, you know, singing Obladi in front of a, or Obladi Oblada in front of a, a school auditorium. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a wonderful movie, and clearly, I've thought about it way too much that I've like decided to like pick it apart too much. But um, I like it a lot. I, I I should probably revisit. One thing I thought was fascinating was like, yeah, you would have to think about all the lyrics and all the music behind it too. Yeah. Like it's not just like oh my god I could do all the Beatles songs perfect it's like oh right. my god I need to think about how this actually works he's a musician so he's so that's why I was like he's not just going to be able to play the long and winding road no. off the top of his dome no. coming out of a room and like kill it and like yesterday so is pretty simple like you might have a couple of them memorized because you happen to be a musician but and right. I, I mean they do kind of play with that because he spends the whole movie trying to remember Eleanor Rigby. But that's the only one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, overall, I liked it. Like, Good you movie. Know, you gotta have, gotta have fun with some of those movies. So I'm going to recap the first episode of Tiger King, which is really the show everybody's talking about. We've all reduced ourselves to Tiger King here in self-isolation. Uh, mm-hmm. This Netflix docu-series. Um, and I guess I'll go on go. All right. Uh, I'm going to count you down in three, two, one go joe exotic runs a uh florida tiger sanctuary where he keeps over 200 big cats in cages and has lots of people come and look at his zoo attractions he is being uh investigated and charged and accused of animal cruelty by this other uh sanctuary lady named carol and she's also kind of crazy and is exploiting the animals uh for financial gain meanwhile there's another uh more sophisticated uh big cat sanctuary like up the street i guess and he's also kind of a piece of work and and the whole thing seems to be about how um about how uh, everyone is lonely and sad and they have animals that don't make them any any fuller and they're all freaks and they're all they all have mullets and at some point in the series uh joe is going to hire a hit on carol that's what it seems like yeah you're totally right um yes the bhagavan doc guy what kind of a name is bhagavan well he's clear like i i there, Bhagavan is like a, a like a Hindu spiritual kind of uh, title, I think. Okay. 
Um, so that was insane because he was saying he studied like under this Indian leader in Virginia. Right. Um, but yeah, and and Joe alone, Joe Exotic is like you really need to know how to feel about this guy. Like people are just so torn up trying to figure out if this guy is evil. Like he kind of seems like a a guy who's a got a heart of gold well, but is so yeah. misguided and by the end of it you're like never mind this guy is a complete psychopath clearly he's a psychopath and and clearly he's that we're we're building towards that getting even crazier and so right. i don't want to i don't want 187 big cats it's 223 i think <laughs> oh okay when he said the number i was like no and he he feeds them for three thousand bucks a piece a year which is 30% of what you're supposed to feed them. And so like, I think he's a terrible person. I really do. But you're right. And, and in general, I think my being bummed out by this show outweighed my fascination by the show, at least in the pilot. Although Becky wants to watch another one. So I guess we're going to get sucked in like everybody else did. Um, yeah. And, and part of it is when Joe is talking about how he realized when he's 13 that he was gay and his father hated him and, and like, and then he tried to commit suicide. And so like there is like a weird mid-episode arc where you feel really bad for him. And you already feel really yeah. bad for all these cats. And so I did kind of get supremely bummed out by this show. Right. Yeah, there's there's a whole a whole line where it's like, yeah, you could be a big animal veterinarian because of your love for animals. You don't need to own 223 of something. No. I mean, it's it's no different than somebody needing to own a lot of guns it's just to to make you feel big and powerful right yeah and that's what he says he's like i know that people are so jealous when i'm up on on the stage like like and jen and i stopped and we're like that's not jealous people are <laughs> jealous of no. you for being uh, uh like a lion tamer no, but there it's is fascinating to watch. They do apparently have a clientele. They've got like a returning uh, customership that are also fascinated by the big cats. Right. That guy who's like, I paid $387 earlier in the week. and I'm back again. Like he, he fulfilled my dream of like, you know, playing with a tiger cub. This doesn't make me look very good as a cat person, does it? <laughs> I was gonna I was going to make a cat joke being <laughs> like you're you're only like 221 cats away so I've heard so much about Joe Exotic and, and, and Tiger King in the last couple of weeks um, and then as soon as we started it they showed the mugshot his mugshot and I'm like oh it's about this guy like I've seen like the the, the weird crazy Florida mugshot meme like that uh, everyone's seen this picture before have you seen the picture yeah. before uh, no, I don't think I know exactly what you mean, but it's like synonymous with just a Florida mugshot. Yeah. Like it's, maybe I just spend too much time on the internet, but like I, I've seen his mugshot used before just as like a joke example of a Florida person breaking the law. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm seeing it now. It's so weird. At one point he's like, I don't want to take my hat off. All, all the people that watch this are going to go like, look at that guy's mullet. It's like. Okay, so you see the humor in you having a mullet, yeah, yeah. and like you're almost kind of ashamed. Why don't you just get a haircut? Yeah, we know we already know that you have a mullet. Like taking off your hat's not going to reveal. Like when you have your hat on, you don't look handsome. 
<laughs> you've got like a <laughs> like a garage hat on. Oh, I know. And then he has like he films everything. Like he he hosts a TV show on his property. He's constantly got the cameras rolling. That's how they're able to make this documentary, I guess. Yeah. Why did that guy from the Inside Edition, that Kirkman guy or Kirkham guy? I wanted to talk about that guy. So it's it, like they periodically flip back to these like Greek chorus entries from this guy Kirkman who's like wearing a leather cowboy hat and sipping coffee and looking like Ed Harris in Westworld and he's just like giving this color commentary about how both Joe and Carol are equally evil. I just found this guy to be so interesting and clearly he's also a lunatic because they flash back to when he would do like crazy stuff on Bill O'Reilly and he's like yeah. had a long career being a lunatic himself but he seems weirdly like at least in this pilot episode like a voice of reason. Yeah, he seems to be the one who's like, listen, I can tell you about it because I was there for both. I worked on Inside Edition. I was trying to make Joe Exotic. Like, you know, I was trying to get his... And and I couldn't help but think, like, why are you stooping to Joe Exotic? Yeah. Like, what got you here? W- were you fired? Are we going to learn more about this in the show? Maybe. Are you going to watch more of this? Yeah. I might just because I want to, like... For the culture. I might do it for the culture, sweet. That's why I'm going to watch it, too. And here's the thing we didn't say before. I, I give my ass to the plot against America. I don't give it to yeah. Tiger King. But I will definitely watch Tiger King, and I'm not going to watch more plot against America. <laughs> that's that's an interesting pick. I, you know what? I'm going to give my ass to both. Okay. Because um, plot against America seems, you know, creators of The Wire... Um, Everything about it was just done very well. Really high quality show. Yeah. Super high quality show. High drama. Tiger King, the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they do a good job of spinning the tail, I think. Yeah. The tiger tail. I just don't like that. I read today. There's a strong chance of a season two. I'm like, ah. Not only I that, I want to hear the whole story. Not not only that, uh, in the works now is the dramatized limited series about Joe Exotic, right? And Calm his down. and his like bitter rivalry with with Carol Baskin. Uh, Kate McKinnon is playing Carol Baskin, <laughs> and we don't know who's playing Joe Exotic yet. Is it two on the it's nose? Cast already? Like, well, it's insane. partly cast. Semi cast. We have we have Kate McKinnon. Uh, is it two on the nose if they cast Danny McBride as Joe Exotic? Is that, has he done that before? Someone was saying that they should cast um, Will Ferrell as Doc. Yeah, I could see that honestly. And someone said Ben Stiller as Joe Exotic, but that doesn't really seem. I don't see that for Ben Stiller. I think I think that that kind of performing is beyond ben stiller now actually but i can see will ferrell playing doc, doc maybe Gantel. will forte as Joe <laughs> and by the way uh will forte I, like everybody's talking about um all the post-apocalyptic content they're consuming right now because of coronavirus nobody's talking about the last man on earth and i i i mean that show is inconclusive because it got canceled i loved that show i actually have seen a couple people mention it online like the last man on earth was yep. kind of trying to prepare us for this. And well, I really yeah. appreciated that. Well, in the it, first episode alone, like it was a virus, I think in that show. It was. Yeah. They, they reference it as the virus. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like a really like they get really serious at one point. There's a haunting moment where they show like a parking lot and it's just a huge grid of people under blankets. Yeah. Yeah, it was a. There were parts of that show that were so well done. If anybody's interested, uh, I wrote a two thousand word short story, which is a post apocalyptic western, um, and I, I put it on. It's my entry this week for Tom. Thanks. It's ColinSweets.com. If anybody wants to read a little creativity by old me, I'm actually kind of proud of this thing. I think I, I think I wrote a good one. Awesome. And yeah, I you nev- rarely release stuff I, like that. Well, I never say if I think it's good. If I think something is good, I would never say that. But I think it's okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go give it a read. Uh, Will Smith? Yeah, do you have any Will Smith news this week? I do. So he is he's filming, or he was filming, I assume they're either done or now on some kind of filming break, the uh, Williams sister biopic where he plays the Williams sister's dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and he has a big beard for it, and lots of people have been mocking his beard in comment sections. There's a big gray beard. Yeah. He looks, it looks like an old man now. Because he got a big gray beard. He looks like Uncle Phil, frankly. Um, and so he responded to this criticism of his beard by saying, what are you guys talking about? I've always had a beard. And then he put out this like montage of a bunch of like classic Will Smith characters like Men in Black and Fresh Prince where somebody has CG'd a gray beard onto these old Will Smith characters. And nice. he, I assume he didn't do it. But he's, he's like, he's gone the extra mile to create bad CGI Instagram content, which misrepresents his past. Mistrust. That's right. That's right. He's, he's speaking of rewriting history. Right. He's, uh, he's trying to get away with lying so blatantly. <laughs> well, that's right. He's gaslighting us here in, in the he's 20th gaslighting century. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Classic. Hey, good one fifty. Hey, I'm I'm super happy with 150. We're so close to 450. Yeah, well, we're one third of the way to 450. I can't wait. One third of the way to 450. <laughs> um, episode 450. We got to bring this up. Oh God! Somebody set a reminder. So got to put this in the time capsule. Oh, good lord! It'd be great if we could remember and call this back. I I feel like we've done this a million times where we would say yeah. like, Hey, when episode 116 happens. Yeah, you're right, and we missed it. And we totally missed it. Uh, when do you think we'll be able to do shows in the same room again? Not for a while, I guess. It's a good question. It's a valid question. Do you subscribe to and and under the under the presumption that I'm not technically socially isolating to the extent that some people would would prefer right now because I am still going to work? Um, do you subscribe to this idea that like if you've been distant for 14 days and someone else has been distant for 14 days, you can then be distant together? Do you? Do you subscribe to this idea that you can you can isolate with people who've isolated? Yeah, but I don't think that anyone has actually isolated fully for 14 days. Like I can't say that I have because Jen has been out there too. And so it would be irresponsible of me to carry groceries and that Jen came in, regardless of my attempts to uh, use antibacterial gel on my hands. Sure, but I think you have to be rational. Like, the grocery store is always going to be necessary. You're, there's never going to be two yeah. weeks where you can't go to the grocery store. Where you, you just, like... Right. It's, there's always going to be, like, little things. Work, maybe not. Certainly not, like, hanging out with people. I think everybody's off that right now. Or I like to think so. Yeah. 
Aren't you just happy you have like a partner in life right now? Oh my God. Yes. Well, can you imagine if you had like a roommate who you were just okay with? Who sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that would be rough. I, yeah. I saw something today about someone who just moved in with someone and like now they're in quarantine together. Ugh. Imagine what that vibe would be like. Well, honestly, like if I, if I just lived with a roommate, even if we didn't hate each other, but we were like not best pals. I would definitely go live at my parents' place. In fact, even if we were good buds, like I think I would just go live at my parents' place because it's just so much easier. Like it's weird for me right now that I can't see my parents. And you kind of don't want to ruin it too, right? Like you don't want to be like, you don't want to get too much of a good thing. Like, oh, we're getting along really well. And then in three weeks, you'll probably hate each other. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's right. You ruin your roommate situation. I think that Which there's- a new roommate as possible. There has to be a high instance of of- people like really seeing each other's true colors either like in relationships or with roommates or with friends like people who are spending too much time together right now yeah i think that's i think that's definitely a thing there was a study about chinese couples that got divorced i guess oh interesting already we have the we have the data back on that (laughs) that's all about some data i i don't know how reliable it is but at least a few people have mentioned it to me. How do you think Jada's holding up, uh, isolating with her husband, Will? Oh, she's got her side man somewhere in there. Oh, shit. Somewhere in that <laughs> house. Yeah, I don't know what you do in that situation. And he's got a side chick somewhere in there, too. Uh, are we are we switching it back to never go outside, or are we just going to stick with <laughs> the Will Smith? I mean, we don't trust Will Smith. No, never trust Will Smith. Never. It was always never. Not not currently don't trust right. Will Smith. But also never go outside at this point. Never go outside at this point. Hopefully, eventually. <laughs> eventually go <Yeah>. outside. <laughs> yeah, eventually go outside. That can be it. All right, buddy. Good to All chat right, with man. you. Happy, happy uh, 150. Yeah, you too. This was just as good as Canada 150. <laughs> I was going to end the podcast a few minutes ago, but now I got to make sure that gets in there. (laughs) 